0: Today on Let the
1: Bible Speak.
0: Do you sometimes feel as though you don't make much of a difference in the kingdom of God? Do others get all of the glory and your work doesn't seem to count? How a seldom mentioned disciple did much more than it may seem. Next on Let the Bible Speak. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. Thank you for joining me today and starting your week out with a time of study of God's Word. Do you ever feel insignificant in that what you contribute to Christ doesn't really matter? Is it frustrating to see others stand in the spotlight and their place in the kingdom seems so much more important than your own? I want us to look at the life of one of the twelve apostles who doesn't usually receive much attention. There's very little about his life or his work in the ministry of Christ that stands out to most people, but... Truth be told, he was one of the most effective and consequential associates of the Lord Jesus. I think the common perception of him can be summed up by how John introduces us to him in John, the first chapter, and the 40th verse. The record there says, One of the two who heard John, the baptizer, speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Can you perhaps identify with Andrew here? His name is immediately attached to his more famous and visible brother, Simon Peter. In fact, we're introduced to him as Simon Peter's brother before we're introduced to Simon Peter. Some of us would probably find it hard to play second fiddle to our brother, or anyone else for that matter, but Andrew's life was much more consequential than you might think, and your life may be much more impactful than you feel that it is. Today I want to think with you about Simon Peter's brother, That's what we'll title our sermon and we'll return with that in just a moment. Aside from Jesus, no name is any more familiar to readers of the New Testament than the name Peter. Peter was such an outspoken and gifted man in the Lord's ministry that he was given a leading role while Christ was on earth and when he established the church after going back to heaven. It was Peter that was given the keys to the kingdom and first preached to the Jews and then the Gentiles. But Peter had a brother and three times he is mentioned in John's Gospel. Two of those times, John apparently felt it necessary to remind us that Andrew is Simon Peter's brother. Our text, John chapter 1 verse 40, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And later in John chapter 6 and verse 8, he is called one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Even the synoptic writers made this near automatic association. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. I suspect Andrew heard himself described that way so many times that it almost seemed like part of his name. And I think Andrew must have been a gracious and humble man to not have resented that and become bitter and indignant. Many of us would if we were always referred to in such a manner. We never read of where Simon was ever introduced to someone as Andrew's brother. It was always the other way around. Why is that? Why is this? Well, you know, we can only assume that perhaps Andrew was not as talented as his brother Peter. Perhaps he had a quieter, more shy nature. Perhaps he wasn't a very good public speaker and couldn't express himself very well. Maybe he didn't like to bring attention to himself. If it was that he lacked in talent and ability, he certainly fell behind some of the others as well. For we often read of James and John, the sons of thunder, and Peter accompanying Jesus on several important occasions. But Andrew is not mentioned there. Andrew was not in the inner circle of disciples. One day when Jesus was in the city of Capernaum, you remember Jairus came to the Lord and begged him to come and heal his dying daughter. Jesus hastened to his house and the Bible tells us that He permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and mother of the girl. Well, That might have stung poor Andrew, but if not, then what about when Jesus later took Peter, James, and John with him up into the mountain of transfiguration and permitted them to see that glorious scene when God transfigured the appearance of Jesus and spoke to them out of heaven? Or when Jesus was in his most difficult hour and he went into the garden of Gethsemane on the eve of his crucifixion and he told Andrew and the others to sit outside while he once again took Peter and the sons of Zebedee, James and John, with him into that inner sanctum of prayer and devotion. You ever thought about how excluded Andrew and the others could have felt? Especially Andrew. Andrew had been part of these men's lives long before any of them met Jesus. And not only that, their coming to know Jesus was originally because of Andrew. It was the faith of Andrew that led to Simon following Jesus in the first place. It was the curiosity and initiative and urging of Andrew that Peter ever came to know Jesus. And now Peter stands in the spotlight and Andrew will forever be known as Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. We don't read of a single sermon that Andrew ever preached. We read of no special place of honor and recognition that he ever received. In fact, to have been so instrumental in the launching of Christ's ministry, very little is said about him in the gospel records. But have you ever considered that perhaps to be called Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was more a credit and a compliment than it was a slight or an insult? For as important as Peter became to the ministry of Jesus and as powerful of a preacher, an influential force in Christianity as he was, truth be told, we owe the conversion of Peter to his brother Andrew. And let us never forget that. In fact, that should encourage all of us and teach us some very important lessons. What the gospel writers tell us about Andrew actually paints a beautiful portrait of a beautiful life. We may not read of any great exploits, no great sermons that he preached, no gospels bearing his name as the author. What we do read is the record of a godly man who committed himself to Jesus and made much more of a difference than it may seem. Andrew was a man of great spiritual interest. Now. You know, Andrew was not a part of the elite religious class of Jerusalem. He was a fisherman from Galilee. He was an ordinary man, just like Peter was an ordinary man until he met Jesus. But he apparently had a keen spiritual interest in life. Now, even though he was one of the first two disciples of Jesus, he was the disciple of John, the immerser, before he became a disciple of Christ. We don't first meet Andrew on a boat upon Lake Galilee. We don't meet him on the streets of Capernaum or Bethsaida. We meet him some 60 miles from his home on the other side of the Jordan River where he had gone to listen to John preach. Now, John, the Baptist, was preaching the imminent coming of the Messiah. He was out there stirring up the sin-hardened people by preaching that the Messianic promises were about to be fulfilled and the long-awaited kingdom of the Christ was about to appear. Back in Capernaum, the only preaching the others heard was from the cold and formal Pharisees in the synagogue. But John's preaching was different. It was soul-piercing. It was convincing. It was convicting. It was anticipatory and it was exciting. And with his mind filled with Old Testament prophecy, Andrew was out searching for their fulfillment. And he was looking for the dawn of Israel's new day. And as John preached the coming of the Christ... He moved many of the people to repent, and I think that number included Andrew. The very fact that Andrew had gone all the way out into the Jordan wilderness to listen to the preaching of John shows what great interest he had in the things of God and how zealous he was for the real truth of God and interested in the things of God. His waiting for the Messiah was not some vague and superstitious thing like so many others, but... It was a real and living hope burning in his heart. And one day, as John was down there preaching, and Andrew and his companion were listening, Jesus came walking by. And John, you recall, pointed and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And the record says the two disciples heard John speak, and they followed Jesus. They'd been following John. But they were such careful students of the baptizer that they crossed on over the bridge that John was building to Christ himself. And they began to follow him. Jesus turned to them and he said, What seek ye? What are you looking for? And they said to him, Master, Rabbi, where dwellest thou? And Jesus said, Come and see. And with that invitation, they followed the Savior home, and they dwelt with him well into the day. Can you imagine the thrill of that? Can you imagine the wonder as Jesus, for the very first time, began to explain who he was and show them the prophecies of the Scripture and how he fulfilled them? And when they left that intimate meeting with the Lord, Andrew had all the proof that he needed to know that This was the long-awaited Christ and Savior of the world. And he hastened home probably with a spring in his step and with his soul ablaze. And the Bible says he first found his own brother Simon. And with such great excitement and joy, I'm sure he told him, we have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. And in that great encounter, Jesus gave Simon a new name and with it a new life, a new purpose, and a new beginning. And there was yet another occasion where Andrew was quietly working in the background and it led to a great turn of events. During Christ's ministry, Andrew does not appear nearly as often as his famous brother Peter, but every time he is mentioned, if you'll notice, he is the channel of a great blessing that came about for someone or for many people. Andrew's name once again appears in connection with one of the beautiful stories from the ministry of Christ and one of Christ's most famous miracles. Jesus had been healing the sick. He'd been moving among the people. And John chapter 6 verse 1 tells us that he crossed over the Sea of Galilee with his disciples and the multitude followed him because they had seen his miracles. Jesus became such a person of interest because of the things he had the power to do that he could hardly get away from the throngs. And these people were simply following him for his miracles. And they followed him around to the other side of Galilee. And the Bible says that Jesus sat down with his disciples in the mountain and Jesus looked out over that multitude of people and he knew how hungry they must have been. So he turned and he asked Philip, where could they find enough bread to feed that size of a crowd? Well, there was no way they could feed such a group of people with their meager resources, but the Bible says that Jesus was just testing Philip, and he knew what he was about to do. But somewhere along the way, what I want you to notice is Andrew had apparently made the acquaintance of a little boy in that crowd. And while perhaps the other disciples had bigger things in mind, Here's Andrew taking notice of a little boy carrying his lunch. Maybe he struck up a conversation with him, and he won the friendship of that boy. Maybe the kid offered to share his lunch with him. But the Bible says one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, rather timidly I think, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? But here's Andrew again bringing someone to Jesus. He brought a rough, coarse, hot-headed fisherman to Jesus who became the great preacher and apostle Peter. And now he brings this little boy forward to Jesus with his tiny lunch. And Jesus so famously takes the loaves and fish from him. He has his disciples make the people sit on the grass. And Jesus offered thanks for that little meal. And he began to hand bread and fish to his disciples to give to the multitude. And that crowd of thousands of people ate until they were full. Now, our focus is rightly on the miracle. Our focus is rightly on Jesus who worked the miracle. But don't forget Andrew. Andrew, in his quiet, unseen way, was here in the background watching and working. And it was thanks to this humble and faithful disciple that one of the greatest miracles of our Lord took place and thousands were fed. Then we get over to the final week, the Passion Week. Jesus has entered into Jerusalem in his great triumphal entrance. And as usual, Jesus is attracting the attention of the crowds. This was the week of the Passover, the city brimming with people. And the Bible tells us in John chapter 12 and verse 20 that there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. Now there's a great deal of mystery as to who these people were. They could have been Jews who spoke the Greek language. They could have been Gentile proselytes. Lightfoot suggests that they were simply heathens who had come to the feast and were in the court of the Gentiles. Whatever the case, they had evidently heard enough or seen enough pertaining to Jesus that they were very interested in Him. And they were bold enough to approach the disciples and to request a private interview with Jesus. They approached Philip, perhaps because Philip was a Greek name and they thought maybe they might have an inroad with him. But Philip didn't know what to make of their request. So what do you suppose he did? Did he turn to big, bold Peter, the leader of the group? Do you suppose he went and consulted with the Sons of Thunder, James and John, to see what the inner circle thought was best to do? No, the Bible tells us Philip sought out the quiet wisdom of Andrew. Andrew, that good judge of character. Andrew who is always watching for opportunities to share the Christ with others. And as you can imagine, Andrew thought it right to grant these men access to the Master. and so. They encountered Jesus. Now, we don't know what came out of that meeting. The Bible doesn't tell us, but people who met Jesus never left him the same. And I like to think that perhaps seed was planted that later led to their conversion to Christ. We don't know. What we do know is that Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was very interested in them, and like the others before, Andrew brought them to the feet of Jesus. Now, As I said earlier, It would have been very easy for Andrew to become bitter and indignant over his lowly station in the Lord's ministry. And had it been many of us, we would have felt the sting of exclusion. Perhaps we would have grown discouraged and we would have thought, well, am I no better than that? To have tried so hard to make a difference but no recognition, no advancement, no place in the inner circle. Am I really that insufficient and unable to impress the Master? Am I that lacking in talent and ability that this is all I'm going to get out of all of this? Or perhaps we might have been hurt and thought, that brother of mine, after all, I'm the one who brought him to Jesus. And look at him now, getting all of the glory and all of the attention and all of the opportunities. I guess that's what I get for introducing him to the Messiah. I should have just kept it to myself. Or perhaps he might have protested when Jesus called Peter, James, and John aside and took them up to the mountaintop to let them in on that sacred moment when heaven opened and glory came down. And Andrew could have said, Really, Lord, don't you remember? I was the first one to follow you. These fellows wouldn't even know you if I hadn't gone to get my brother. And you let them go with you and witness this wonderful thing and not me? But I don't think that's how Andrew responded. It took great humility for Andrew to play the part that he did in the Lord's work. It took a lowly spirit to be content to stand in the shadow of his brother and the others. But truth be told, people like Andrew are the people the Lord can do the most with. After all, while James and John and their mother Salome were clamoring over who would get to be the greatest in the kingdom... There's Andrew, just patiently and faithfully waiting on the promised kingdom to unfold and play his lowly part in it. While Peter, time and again, impulsively speaks and acts and has to be reined in and gently rebuked by the Lord and corrected for getting ahead of him. There's Andrew, faithful, sure, steady, dependable, and quietly working to bring people to Jesus. Friend, I will tell you, those are my kind of people. Content with where Christ put them. Jesus had his reasons for putting Peter in the spotlight. Jesus had his reasons for surrounding himself with the three who were closest to him. And Andrew knew better than to question that. I think Andrew must have just been filled with joy to know the Messiah and overjoyed to serve him in whatever way the Lord wanted him to serve him. And that's how Christ looks at people in His kingdom today. They let Christ place them wherever He sees fit in His work. And they don't seek position, fame, or recognition. Their aim is the glory of Christ. And my dear friend, there is reward in that. God uses people like that in mighty ways that we often don't stop to realize. And God honors people like that in a different sense of honor than what we sometimes seek. You know, the last mention that we have of Andrew is in the book of Acts. When Jesus was preparing to ascend back to heaven, his ministry complete, Andrew is mentioned with the other apostles who went and waited in Jerusalem for the coming of the Holy Spirit and the coming of the kingdom on the day of Pentecost. Now, we know all about the day of Pentecost and the events that transpired. Peter, his brother had the starring role among the apostles that day. After all, Jesus had told him, In Caesarea Philippi, I'm going to give to you the keys of the kingdom. And here it is. It was brave, bold, and now converted Peter who stood with the fire of conviction in his bones and stood up and accused the people of crucifying their own Christ. And it was Peter who so eloquently convinced them that Jesus was the Christ of God and the Savior of the world and it was Peter who spoke the words that brought thousands of people that day to repentance and baptism into the church of Christ. Preached one of the most famous sermons to ever fall from human lips, aside from perhaps the sermons of the Lord Jesus. And I like to think, as Andrew stood by and watched his brother preach, where some might have pouted, where some might have felt slighted, or some might have felt overshadowed, jealous, I like to think that Andrew stood by and perhaps let his mind wander back and remember that day three and a half years earlier when he ran so excited to find his brother Simon and bring him to Jesus. And look at him now. And no matter who you are, what talents you do or don't possess, what opportunities you are or are not given, you can be an Andrew. You can use what you have and what you're given in your own way to bring people to the Christ and affect the eternal destinies of others, and there is no greater work to be done. As the old spiritual says, if you cannot sing like angels, if you can't preach like Paul, you can tell the love of Jesus and say He died for all. Subscribe to our YouTube channel to see all of our past broadcasts, plus extra videos including Let the Bible Speak Classics all the way back to the 1960s. And get new updates, go to YouTube and search for Let the Bible Speak TV and click on Subscribe. What God wants from each one of us is faithfulness. If we will simply resolve to be faithful and available for God to use, He will use the talents and resources that He has given us in the way that He chooses and that will bring glory to Himself. Don't underestimate the power of simply living a godly life and being a faithful Christian. God often uses the influence of ordinary and quiet people in much greater ways than he does those who we may consider extraordinary. If you have not obeyed the gospel by placing your faith in Christ, repenting of your sins, confessing his name, and being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, you need to do that today. Let him add you to his church and give you a place of service in his kingdom, whatever he may want it to be so you can be used for His glory. If we can assist you in obedience to the plan of salvation today, we would be delighted to do so. If you'd like a free transcript of today's sermon, please request it by the title, Simon Peter's Brother. And we'll see that you receive it right away. It's been good to spend this half hour with you. I hope you'll plan to meet me here again next week, if it be God's will. Have a wonderful week ahead and may the Lord bless you as you study His word and seek to do His will.
1: Let the Bible Speak is brought to you by the Church of Christ. For more information, including our past broadcast and sermon transcripts, visit ltbstv.org.